also n e t u n e into Black Cyber, the number one, the number one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African Americans' career in cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place in the industry. Hey everybody! This is Greg. We are back with another Greg Talks. This is number thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Uh, I've got a brand new face for you guys. Uh, again, really quick. This is a podcast companion to the Brothers Wiff. So this one is going to be an informal mix of technical and non-technical materials. So just be prepared for that. I am very much interested in people. I love hearing their stories and how they got to where they are. Sometimes people aren't so into that. Sometimes they just want the technical details. So. Today we have with us one George McPherson. Hey Greg, thanks thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you have quite an interesting resume. Your LinkedIn game goes pretty hard. I uh, I wasn't stalking you. I was researching for a podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Two very different things. So um, it looks like you are out of North Carolina. Is that correct? Uh, yep, out of Charlotte, North Carolina, born and raised. Born and so raised. I'm still here n- near the Charlotte area. When you say you say born and raised, so how old were you when you? So I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at your resume, and you actually went into the army in '95, right? Yeah. Yep. All so, right. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a little uh, refined wine, a little <laughs> older. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting to me is you were in Fort Hood and I grew up in Waco, so you weren't too far from me. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, we've been there a couple of times. I think it was like an hour away from uh, Fort Hood, from Killeen, Texas. Yep. Yeah. Man, that place sucks. Killeen, Fort Hood. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> I'm going to go on record saying that yeah, it's one of my yeah. <laughs> yeah, favorite yeah. parts of Texas. It is like yeah, a it, it, it was an okay town, but like you said, yeah, we were young <laughs> and partying, so we didn't. It didn't bother us too much. <laughs> it was all right with you. So, you grew up in North Carolina. Tell me, what's that? What's that like? Um, I mean, what was the uh, what was the temperature in your town? Um, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina is a pretty um, gets gets pretty hot in the summer and pretty cold in the winter, but not really uh, harsh winters or super super hot uh, summer. So pretty. Uh, People actually migrate here and kind of uh, move here because of the weather, just decent, decently mild weather. So not too bad. Enjoyed it. All right. All right. So Charlotte, you're growing up. Do you have any brothers, sisters? What's the story there? Um, I have I have two brothers and a sister. I have an old, I have, uh, older sister, older brother, and a younger brother. All right. Are they as accomplished as you? Um, in, in their own right, you know, we do different things. Uh, <laughs> so you got yeah. an overachieving family. I see. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I, I remember, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, the humidity over there. Is it still bad over there? Oh yeah. This place is trash. Fort Hood, it's the worst, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, what, uh, so you, you graduated high school and then you decided you were going to go into the army and you ended up in the signal corps i have no idea what the signal corps is what they're about tell me just a little bit about kind of your experience and what ultimately led you to decide to actually go into the army um what led me to go into the army um first of all it was a great experience for me uh built a lot of confidence met a lot of people around the world around the country um but what made me go into the army was actually um Wanted to go to college and, you know, get an education. Hmm. Um, didn't quite have those means, so I was looking towards the military as that avenue. Um, I think I had a Marine recruiter come to the house, and he was like, uh, basically, you can load missiles and and one other thing. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Army recruiter came by, and he was like, yeah, we, we can you can do this technical field or you can do medical. And I took some medical classes, so I was kind of interested in medical. I took some computer classes, was interested in that as well. So he kind of gave me those two options, and I leaned towards the technology, and he was like, oh, by the way, you get a bonus. We paid for college. And I was like, okay, it sounds like the place for me. So right after high school, went to the Army, joined the Signal Corps, uh, went to uh, a 
Augusta, Georgia at Fort Gordon. It was the signal school at that time. Now it is actually a cyber school, which is funny. Now, that's what I work in now. But um, it was a signal school. And just to give everybody like a quick education on what signal means, it's basically just the military term for telecom. So anything you're doing with encryption, anything you're doing with satellite, phone calls, wiring, um, things of that nature. So that's how I got my technology start um, by starting in the military. Got out and um, worked for the phone company. Um for about 14 years I uh, had a stint where I actually uh, I guess it was you call it a midlife crisis where I went and became <laughs> a detention officer for about two years and I see that that's, that's yeah I was, I was looking at that you did the the US Army Reserves you're working at Windstream and then all of a sudden you're a uh, your detention officer yeah I think I got burned out uh, I love technology of course obviously I'm still in it but um, that was the case where I was climbing climbing poles uh, I've always been scared of heights, so basically, I mean, I just did it for the money. <laughs> climbing <laughs> poles, climbing under houses, and I got burned out. I was like, well, let me try this. And I did that for about two years uh, on the detention officers. I tried to help people. I was felt like I was burning myself out. So I went back to telecom till I figured things out, and I was like, okay, I actually need to finally get into uh, computers. And, and I was luckily lucky when I got into uh, computers I kind of figured out what I wanted to do I was leaning towards networking or security or cyber security and I settled on cyber security and I think within a year of being in IT I got my first cyber security job which is really unheard of so uh, a lot of hustle hard work and probably a lot of luck so. well I don't know man I um between you and me, and I guess everybody listening, I don't really believe in luck. I mean, I know it exists to some extent, right? But yeah. Something I always, uh, well, I, not always, but something I heard one time that, man, really resonated with me is that um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And like you said, a lot of hustle exactly. and then the opportunity presented itself and, man, you took yeah. it. So so I believe in that. That's I think the better, a, yeah. Yeah, man. I think a lot of people make their own luck. And so that speaks a lot about um, a lot about your character. So you said... It says you uh, started at Carolina's healthcare system. You were doing Windows Tech. So is that kind of like desktop support sort of thing? Yeah, that is. That's um, And it, it was kind of like desktop support, but if you focus that more into just the upgrade portion of it, uh, we were doing, uh, at that time, Windows 7 was the new OS that you needed to go to to be in compliance. So we were getting um, the hospital, you know, hospital-wide, Everybody upgraded to Windows 7 from Windows XP. Um, and and I chose to go on the uh, desktop side. If you, if you know, and I know you know about IT, there's usually two places you can start in IT. You can start on, um, you can start on the help desk or you can start uh, on desktop support. And I definitely respect the guys on help desk because you have to deal with a lot. You're not talking in person. You have some attitudes on the phone. <laughs> Me... And me, I knew that wasn't my route. I was like, I don't do well with not being able to see a person's emotion and different things happening on the phone. I was like, I want face-to-face -face experience. I want hands-on. Uh, so that's how I, I decided. I decided in my and I agree with you. Like, I believe things are ordered. Uh, not so much luck. You do have people that come into your life that help you out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 how I got started in IT doing the um, Windows Seven upgrades. Um, so so at what point while you were doing these these uh you know like this uh this upgrade uh job when you were doing that at what point did the cybersecurity thing present itself and and you said you were kind of uh busting your butt already <laughs> what were you sort of doing to prepare yourself for that um to prepare myself um and let's back up for a minute I got my I think I got my network plus in 2012 okay and and I tell people all the this all the time like like you said I, I was really strategic about everything I did um, I got the network plus because I felt it was low lying fruit I worked in telecom I dealt with cat 3 cat 5 all the time I dealt with phone signals I, I knew how the networks work network plus was just an extension of that so I got my network plus and in getting my network plus what I realized is um, 
the security questions I was scoring the highest on. I was like, okay, um, I that that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, then I got my first uh, desktop imaging job at the um, city contracting right before I went to the hospital, and I was kind of doing you know uh, A plus work, and I was like, well, let me get my A plus. I'm doing it at work. I might as well get the certification. I would go I would go home and I would study and mm-hmm. I would apply things that I did at the job. And then I would go to the job and I would remember things that I was studying for the certification and it would apply to the job. So it was it's kind of coming together like a light bulb. Uh, but not to digress, like when I was taking the A plus, I noticed on the A plus when I got the test results, I was scoring the highest in the security area. <laughs> and at yeah, at that time, I was kind of leaning towards I'm going to be a network engineer. I don't want to stay in um, kind of like desktop IT. I want to be a network engineer, and then so I started researching, and I was like, "Ah, cybersecurity! This this uh, industry is really booming." Mm. And I was like, "I I seem to have an aptitude in it. Let me start leaning towards that." So I started uh, studying Security Plus, and I actually got my certification for that in uh, 2013. And like you said, what I was doing, uh, doing home labs, started studying cybersecurity, was really getting into it. Um, even when I was doing a Windows 7 upgrade, I was so in tune to the security side. I was like, you do your job well in what you're doing, but how do you bring out what you want to do? So if I'm doing a Windows 7 upgrade, I, I would I would go to the security side. Okay, um, if I'm putting an- antivirus on there, that sticks out to me because that's security related. That's that's how you stop the viruses and malware. I want to make sure, me personally, I want to make sure that that is on there along with everything else. Um, if I'm sending a person's uh, information over, is it something that's kind of personal information sensitive? It, could there be an issue? Do I need to tell somebody about it? It was just me just kind of getting in that uh, security mindset. So what is it you think that, um, and you know, and, and like you were saying, um, you know, you were kind of, I don't know if you, it's not like you were writing down notes, but you kind of made a mental note of whenever you hit something, you're like, oh, that's interesting. I did really well on that. And then, you know, you started kind of putting the clues together. I think that's, uh, that's really interesting. I, I like that. But what is it, what is it you think about, it is about kind of cybersecurity and in that field that really um, obviously it sounds like you were drawn to it, not just maybe that you had a little bit of an aptitude, uh, but that you were kind of drawn to it. What do you think it is uh, about the subject that really kind of pulls you in? Um, What pulled me in at that time was first it was technology. I love working with my hands, figuring things out with my mind. Um, So that pulled me in. And I think I've always had that, uh, protector mentality, um, you know, growing up with my mom, um, you know, she was a single mom up until I was like 13 when she met my stepdad, I was in that protector mode. I went to the military, uh, just always had that, uh, protector mentality, uh, sheriff's office. So things kind of happened for a reason. The security side felt like the gatekeepers of it. It's like you got you get to have the fun with the technology side, but this is the one that kind of talks to me. This is protecting whatever level on you. You could be for the government. You're protecting the government. You're protecting your organization. Uh, you're protecting hardworking employees that work for your organization. Protecting their information. It was that's what kind of um, pulled me into the industry. It was it. You know, like people say, passion is really what makes you successful in things if you have a passion for you can do things for a lot of reasons you can do it for money uh you can do it for necessity but the i think that's what drove me the passion for protecting and um really just just doing something good and something bigger than myself uh what's kept me in the industry um what i feel is as we've seen in the news and headlines um cybersecurity is not an easy space to be in Mm-mm. Uh, a lot of times it feels like we're losing the battle uh, and you're always trying to figure things out. And, and, and you know, it's, it's like that with um, any part of technology that if you're not learning, you're getting left behind. So cybersecurity, like if you're not learning or figuring things out, figuring new threats out, 
uh, figuring out how things work, uh, trying to stay a step ahead uh, of hackers. Um, yeah, that's that's what drives me. Is it's never a boring day. Day never looks the same. You have some routine things that you do, mm-hmm. um, but just as far as how things can look different, threats can look different. Um, it, it's and how you have to keep growing to stay ahead of different things that's emerging. Uh, that's what I love. That's what's pretty much sustained my career. That's interesting. You know, so you've hit on a, a couple of of points that that I found particularly interesting. One is. Um, you, I mean, so you do have a bit of a networking background, and I see that um, that you actually were a network engineer for a little piece there, and that you've been in telecom for ever, it appears. Um, and and I, like like you, I have a networking background, right? And so that's kind of how my brain works. It's so funny whenever I meet network engineers, I'm always I'm always very keen to look for a couple of things. Is the best network engineers are problem solvers. They love puzzles and figuring things out. And you already alluded to that just a second ago. So oh, yeah. I could tell you're a real network engineer just from that. Because uh, you got to, <laughs> you got you know, Thank you. I mean, what is 90% of networking is troubleshooting. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Gotta, yep. You got to have that um, that quirk in your brain where you want to figure things out. But something that I've always found this weird, interesting kind of opposing force inside of me is I feel like, Network engineers are usually connectors, right? We're and and like like you, I kind of like physically working on my hands and connecting things, and that's kind of where computers meet that uh, that love of me like physically putting things together. It's networking, right? Um, so we're facilitators, you know. We're we're making those connections. We're doing all that stuff, and sometimes that seems counter to what the security team wants. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it's like, I, I you, see what I see where you're going there. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you kind of uh, reconcile those opposing forces in your head now that you're a security guy? And you have to, or do you kind of do you kind of blend the two together? And because it seems like most of the security guys I've run into. Um, don't have kind of a networking background, so they don't think like a network engineer sort of does. So I was just curious what your perspective is. Oh, like. yeah. Um, and then you you bring up some good points. Um, anybody that gets into security, you have to know so much about different uh, other areas of technology to really be good, I feel. And one of the key ones, like you said, that that networking side, you really have to have that uh, networking side. Um, so I think that's helped me actually work better with the networking guys. And like you said, that does, depends on what organization you're in, it does. Um, sometimes networking works well with uh, security. Sometimes they, you know, they bump heads. Like you said, because in the networking environment, like you said, it's all about connecting. It's it's, it's all about um <laughs> It's all about flow. It's all about availability. It's all about pleasing the customer. Mm-hmm. When somebody calls up and they say they can't get somewhere and you figure it out as a network engineer and they say, thanks for getting that going, that's the greatest feeling for you. Um, sometimes on security, I'm not going to say it's the greatest feeling, but our answer feels better when we say no, when they call up and say, I can't get somewhere. And you're like, that's great. That, that means, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 means things are working the way they should. Um but what I will say about that um what we got to what we got to remember as network engineers and security engineers is we both support the business. Yeah. And um and with network engineers it's a little more of a um positive function cuz usually you're saying yes to everything. You you're about connectivity. That that sounds good. You're definitely supporting the business because hey, if everybody's can get to where they need to get to, you're uh, supporting business security. Sometimes it doesn't look like that. And what we got to remember, security engineers, it shouldn't always be a no. It should be, um, how can we support the business and do it as safely as possible? Because on the flip side, if if you have a compromise or your system gets hacked and you lose a lot of information, you could be going out of business as well. Um, so it shouldn't always be a no. We should definitely be supporting the business, um, but we just, and that's like problem solving too. How do I say yes with this still being a safe situation? How do we work with network engineering and still allow different things, but kind of control or monitor mm-hmm. or make sure it's still safe as possible? You know, can we turn this port on, but can we, 
turn a couple protocols off that don't need to be flowing on that port on the firewall um it's it's definitely being diplomatic because we all have to work together i i have to respect you as a network engineer and what you do which i do i i've come i come from that environment so i mm -hmm. definitely do you got to respect what everybody does in their perspective field if, if you're all about uh coming together and uh supporting the business yeah something else you 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 keep you keep just kick-starting my brain um <laughs> You you were talking about, you know, so like if you call up the networking team and you're having problems getting to something, they're going to fix it and they're going to facilitate that connection, right? And so uh, I would say to most end users, that's a very positive perception of that team, right? Whereas the security guys, all they see is you saying no to them all the time. And you know what's, what's crazy about it? If you think about it, if you're really doing your job right, then really nothing ever goes wrong. There's never a breach. There's never a compromise inside the company. So all people see is you saying no to them. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, how do they, how do you, how do you work on that uh, department image within the company? You know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of that is communication. Um, you have to be willing to talk to users. Um, uh, and you know, IT in general, sometimes we can be down in the weeds, heads down, mm -hmm. uh, don't bother me. And security, it can be even worse on our end. So I think where we try to uh, overcome that challenge is actually talk to a user, find out what they're trying to do, you know, actually care about what they're trying to do. Like, okay, I can't let you go this way because of company policy, but let's find out what are you trying to do? Uh, what are you trying to accomplish? And you talk to them and and you let them know that you're actually on their side and you try to find a solution um, that can get them the same result where they can have that positive feeling where, um, you know, business is being enabled and they're not just hearing the no from security. If I think if a user hears no from security uh, too many times, they'll probably go around security and that will probably be bad in the future. Um, so the more we can work with them and figure out how we can somehow accomplish what they're trying to do, but do it in a safer way, mm -hmm. that's where it's problem solving too. being creative. Um, how can we do this and it not be a, um, security violation or, or even on a bigger level, or like, uh, breaking a law or regulation mm -hmm. within your industry. Um, and I think that's where it comes in, just being a problem solver, uh, communicating with the user, letting them know that you uh, care about um, what they're trying to accomplish and actually try, basically being an advocate, just taking a little time to see how you can accomplish that. Sometimes it is a hard no. Um, yeah. and, and when it's that difficult, you have to, you owe it to the user to at least explain why it's a no and what the repercussions could be on the other side. Um, but most of the time that's where you should be creative as a security professional and really try to support the business. You know, I think it's, it's uh, you, you touched on something very key is that uh, a lot of guys, at least I find a, a lot of the younger guys coming into it. I'm not saying they're uh, antisocial. I think maybe socially awkward, is maybe the, the the better term for it, right? And so they just, it's a it's kind of one, it's a lack of experience and it's a lack of people skills. And so, if you see other folks, um, you know, having problems, you know, especially like you said in security, maybe those folks, um, you know, when they have the power to wield the no sword all the time, you know, they kind of it's, it's it's a little <laughs> bit different perspective than a lot of other IT folks. Do you find yourself kind of mentoring these guys or maybe trying to? Uh, lend a little experience to the situation they're in and kind of guide them and steer them? Or, I mean, how do you, how do you navigate those waters? Um, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and I don't think you do it all the time because of the industry that you're in security is about protecting safeguarding. Um, you may not want to do it all the time, but like you said, if, if you see situations where, like you said, a lack of experience, they're not seeing the, um, it's not just about security and controls. It's about talking to users and helping them out. And it's about, even if you have to say no, how can you soften that no? How can you 
look more diplomatic how can you talk to that person and let them know why that's happening um a term i learned in the military uh was was tact how do you talk to somebody without causing offense mm-hmm. you can tell somebody the same thing but if as long as you show that you care um you communicate you know in a way that's not offensive but like you said those people skills are very important um in the it field probably from what i've seen being in technology for over 20 years being in it and cybersecurity for over seven years things have changed i think um it used to really like the and i still like to you know just head down to the keyboard work mm-hmm. on something fix something figure something out that's fun but the way the industry goes these days you have to look up you have to be personable you have to talk to customers you have to talk to um employees you have to have that customer service side and you really have to develop that skill those soft skills those are uh very important and you can't you can't deny those and like you said when you see a a young guy or a young lady this um that you see that they're kind of in a box um I think you owe it to them to maybe not all the time because um, it can, can kind of feel like you're picking on them. But mm-hmm. uh, definitely in certain situations, definitely just kind of let them know about customer service, about treating everybody res- with respect, uh, the golden rule uh, about communicating. Um, yeah, that's I, I think I'm rambling a little bit, but that's that's <laughs> what I would definitely say on that. No, man, you uh, you have. Uh, a lot of emotional maturity that, to be honest with you, a lot of folks never get to, right? And and I think you said it very succinctly. Is um, uh, You said something very uh, akin to understanding that these users calling you are just humans just like you, right? And yep. they just, they're trying to get through their day, just trying to do their job. And if you can treat them with a little, uh, little respect, right? And uh, try and uh, word something as nicely as possible. Something I learned a long time ago was... Um, I had this boss who was kind of a micromanager mm. and uh, <laughs> he, uh, I, we, we didn't always get along and uh, he would ask something. He was new to the industry, so I didn't really know much about it. And so he would ask something. And I would just say, no, actually uh, we do it this way because of blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was just because he hadn't, you know, he just didn't physically, like he didn't understand the difference between multi-mode fiber and single mode fiber. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, no, you, yeah. you can't use multi-mode because they're single mode optics. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he got really defensive and he just, he would prickle and bristle every so somebody told me one time, they said, um, you know what, instead of saying no, say, uh, let me think about it. Even though the answer is going to be the exact same in an hour, just say, let me think about it. So that it appears as if you were contemplating what he had to say. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> right. And so yep, yep. that was a, that was a hard learned lesson for me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had learned it sooner, but it's, yeah, it's just, like you said, figure out a better way of saying it. Cause you could say the same thing 50 ways over. Right. And, and, um, you know, it's something I learned too, is whenever it comes out of your mouth, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing in your head as it does to the person who's receiving the information. Right. So exactly. You got to yep. think of how they want to hear this thing and then uh, be as ingratiating yeah. as possible. Well, that's interesting. Yep. So something else you touched on earlier was, you always have to be learning, and I think that is that is paramount in IT. Otherwise, people stagnate. Um, but man, there is there is no moss gathering on you. But you are uh, you are all <laughs> over the place. We're gonna get to some of that stuff. But uh, okay. something, something you were touching on was always learning, and you said that you have to always be one step ahead of your adversary. I mean, because your I mean your job is you're basically fencing with people all day long, right? You know, you're you're trying to to parry their blows and defend and and make this great wall. And, you know, I'm thinking in network engineering, we're just trying to uh, keep up with technology so that we can have a better, more robust solution. There's nobody generally, I mean, you know, there are DDoS attacks and things like that. So it's not like you could say that uh, networking isn't, isn't without attacks, but not necessarily, not even on the same, I mean, we're not even on the same continent compared to guys in security who it's your job. So, (laughs) I'm just trying to make sure that I stay relevant so somebody else doesn't take my job. You're trying to make sure that some kid that's actively out there looking for ways to exploit your system doesn't get in. So that is a, 
how do you how do you stay on top of the new stuff? How do you stay on top of learning about the new threats? I mean, what are what do you what do you guys doing? That I, I am I am blissfully ignorant of the security industry. I I really just don't know nearly as much as I probably should about it. So I'm just curious. How do you how do you get your new information? What's your favorite way of digesting all of that stuff? Um, what I would say is I, I use some security blog. Uh, one of one of my favorites is um one that's called GB Hackers. I think it's gbhackers.org, and they release probably like daily or several times a day different security threats, emerging security threats. Um, and it can affect any industry. It can, I mean, it can be across different industries, different applications, Cisco appliances, um, windows, you know, you know, windows devices. Uh, so I, I use a lot of security blogs, dark reading, uh, try to keep up on those blogs cause they release stuff daily, like the newest, um, security threats. Um, it's one that's pretty big. In fact, I think it just came out like yesterday or a couple of days ago. Um, Verizon does a security breach report yearly, and it, it's one of the it's 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 one of the biggest um, releases in the uh, security industry. It comes out yearly. I think it just came out a couple of days ago. If you search it, uh, you probably can uh, get your hands on that. But that releases some trends they've seen. Um, so I definitely, you want to keep up with your security blog and kind of do some daily, uh, morning reading probably before you get into your headspace of work and other things that's going on, uh, give you some, self some time, uh, in the morning. That's uh, cool. but so you actually carve out like a little chunk of time beginning of your day to, to sort of digest some of this stuff. Ideally, um, I used to be better that I've. Things are so hectic these days. Um, yeah, I hear you, man. I I kind of kind of blend it in, but I want to get back to that model, like you said, uh, in the morning before everything gets kind of hectic. Read your uh, security blogs. But what I will say, uh, one of my biggest ones, and, and you know this as well, LinkedIn. Oh wow, LinkedIn is a very good source. Um, you have to weed some things out, but what I do, like uh, in my industry. Over the years, I've connected with some of the brightest um, people, um, people that's top in the industry. I've connected with those people. And when I, I log on in the morning, I see feeds from them breaking stories um, or even posing a thought about the industry that's uh, thought provoking that you may not have thought about in your own organization. Hmm. Um, LinkedIn is, has been powerful for me over the last several years um connecting with uh different professionals and that's what i do like you you connect with certain people uh in certain industries uh cloud security somebody that does firewalls uh just different people with that different expertise and you see their feeds come in and and you can kind of see what's going on but that's a big one for me that's interesting you know i think i think linkedin is one of those things where uh it's only good it's only as good as the uh, the data you feed into it. So I think I've just got a lot of the wrong people in there because it's mostly like it's like business marketing uh, stuff like that. You know, people like yeah. weird sales and so I think I've I, <laughs> I need to I need to you might yeah you might have to tune that you might have to tune that a little bit yeah <laughs> uh, but some of the business and marketing is actually good but I, I see what you're saying yeah if it's too much of yeah yeah that's cool that's cool yeah so. You just try and stay on top of all that stuff. So let's get to a little bit more about you. Not that this whole thing hasn't been about you, but um, but uh, i just curious. You are extremely prolific uh, on other fronts as well. So I'm going to talk. You have <laughs> – I found out you've got a couple of books out. So you've got one. Okay. I, I, I think so, right? Black Cat Redemption. Is that you or did you just link to it? No, no. That's me. That's actually me. Okay. Okay, so tell me a little bit about that. Is that like, uh, is that a fiction and nonfiction? What's the story there? Um, it is a um, and I do I do a lot of um security writing. I I I put out some blogs every now and then, and I do some articles on 
um, LinkedIn, not officially for LinkedIn, but just like putting out articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think during this, um, with the coronavirus, everybody being quarantined, working from home, I was in a different headspace, and um, I wanted to write something fictional, still about the industry, and but on the fictional side. So Black Hat Redemption is uh, about a a uh, hacker from Nigeria that is part of this elite hacking group, and he has a change of heart one day, and he realizes that he needs to come to the white hat side, the good side. So he actually kind of leaves the um, the hacker group. He kind of flees to uh, California, um, and I don't want to give too much of the book away, yeah, but yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of goes against the organization that kind of saved the world. So just my little and I kind of put it in the um, I put it in this time frame of what we're going through. So some of that is in the book. So he, he's kind of a hero in this book. And I, I want to keep going with uh, just kind of building on that uh, Black cool. Hat Redemption series. So so how much how much of the main character is you? How much of that? How much of that guy is actually you? Um, I would say not too much because I haven't been on the bad side. But uh, <laughs> far as I always want, <laughs> far as I always want to be the hero and, and placing myself, I'll say about twenty percent, probably twenty percent is me. Right, right, right. That's a good observation. Like you say, any fictional author, they probably put a little bit of themselves in the character to a certain degree. So I say about. Eh, no, actually, I go up thirty, forty percent. Probably me. Yeah. <laughs> At least for now, he might turn uh, more yeah. into you later, right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You know, I mean, you're talking about um, how you always want to protect and take care, and I mean, even going into the military, right? That's 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 a huge. I mean, that's the reason the military exists. So uh, that's funny that that's kind of apparently been somewhat of a mantra for you since you were, I mean, a kid and. Uh, you know, what's so funny is that uh, I grew up as a single parent as well and stuff like that. And I kind of went the opposite direction. So I have issues with older male authority figures because uh, <laughs> I don't need you. I don't want you. I ain't got no time yeah. for you. you know, it's like that's how <laughs> that's how my brain sort of twisted. I, I love how you turned it into I want to protect people and take care of people. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, it's so funny how. um it fascinates me how people end up where they are and a lot of their interests and who they become are based on the things that happened in the past. And I love how uh, you take something that's, uh, that's rough, something that's trying, you know, probably for somebody that young, taking all that responsibility on yourself and you uh, turn it into something really positive. I love that, man. So you did Thank another you. book. This one is, I'm not sure if you've got a, a written version of this, but I saw it was an audio book, Found Hope, Focus, and Favor. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, Found Hope, Focus, and Favor, uh, How I Got Into Cybersecurity and Why You Should Too, was um, a pretty popular, um, I kind of wrote it as a blog at first, um, just letting people know my story, how I got into cybersecurity, um, how it was. And like we talk about luck, I, I I agree with you on that concept. Not really luck, almost like ordered steps, like it was meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And I talk about some of that where it was like some things that you you couldn't even imagine those things happen. Like, for instance, it was like a point in the blog where um, I had left the company. I was a little frustrated on the contracting side. And I got turned down to, for, for the security position. And I had left the company and was contracting at another company. And the supervisor kind of sent me a personal email. Um, no, no, actually, it was my webmail. And I was just checking the webmail from the old company. And she was like, I don't know if you're still interested, but this position is still open. Would you be willing to come in for a second interview? I'm like, wow. And I and long story short, I come in for the second interview and I get the job. The job I got turned down for, I get the job, my first security role. I was like, wow, that was that was meant to happen. So I, I'm with you. I don't believe in luck. I believe things happen the way they were meant to happen. So, mm. and I and and to elaborate, I turned that blog into a uh, short book that I put on Amazon, and then later uh, it became an audible book. 
the Black Hat Redemption is a Amazon book right now, and I'm waiting for the uh, uh, ACX. ACX is the um, company that approves the Audible book. I'm just waiting for that to go through the quality step with them, and that'll be released shortly on Audible. That's crazy. That's crazy. I've always wanted to um, have something published of some sort. So I, I, I'm technically an author. I'm doing air quotes here for the people who can't see it. Uh, for for <laughs> LinkedIn Learning, they call us authors, you know, because we do that online training yeah. stuff. But I oh, mean, nice, nice. There, there is a lot of. I mean, I'm not. A, I write an entire script. I build all the slides, and uh, you do all. So there, it is. But it's not the same. While it is a lot of work and you are doing a lot of writing, I don't feel like it's like a book book sort of thing. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I, I, I'd like to publish something in that capacity. And so yeah, really I would definitely do it cool. if I was you. And I definitely respect what you do on the LinkedIn learning side. That's a, that's a lot of work. Cause I mean, you're forming a story, you're doing the lab work, you're planning, uh, yeah, that's yeah. You do it in a vacuum, and then you put it out there. But that's the internet, right? That's like uh, yeah. you, when you're writing a blog post. You know, you you put a lot of in these books. You put a lot of time and energy into it, and then you put it out. You know, and something I always heard was um, every artist makes art so that people will look at it and enjoy it, right? No matter what it is, and so you want people to like it. And unfortunately, on the internet, a lot of what comes back is not positive reinforcement, yeah. right? But like you said, every now yeah. and then you'll get one little one little nugget that'll pop up, and uh, it kind of makes a lot of that worth it. So that's really cool. Oh yeah. So you also have a podcast called Black Cyber, and you've just completed season one. And you're getting ready for season two in June, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. Um, so I think anybody uh, who's in podcasting, they've got this something inside them where they want to share their wisdom. They want to make the world better in some way. So, uh, that's what really kind of attracted me to, uh, your podcast the first time around. So black cyber, it has a specific focus, which is good. So whenever you have any kind of media, if you've got a very, specific focus people can find you based on that you know what i always heard and i really believe because i listen to podcasts is people find you for the subject matter and they stay for the personalities so they're gonna find you because you have this narrow focus uh, well it's not narrow i mean it's it's cybersecurity, but you're focusing on what in cybersecurity. let's see um what i'm focusing on um as cybersecurity is such a great field where um you can have degrees in cybersecurity, but I think the trend is it provides opportunities for people who didn't it didn't have opportunities like you know I grew up in you know low income housing um you know just coming from where you didn't have a lot of opportunities to an industry where you can get a certification and and you can jump into the industry i mean you still have to have the skills, but mm-hmm. you don't need a college degree and mm-hmm. it it kind of um levels the playing field where people can have a um, certain type of lifestyle. And what I'm doing is you've, there's some surveys that kind of identifies where African-Americans um, are kind of underrepresented in cybersecurity. So what I focus on is um, just uh, catering to the African-American community. And, and what I will say about that is it really caters to anybody that really wants to get into the industry who's, just wanting to find some tools, get some inspiration on getting into this great field where you don't need a degree, uh, usually can get certifications, you do home labs to get better at things, you find ways to get experience. Um, so what I'm catering to, I am catering to African-Americans getting into cybersecurity because we're underrepresented. I'm also catering to other minorities because they're underrepresented. But um, this this podcast can be for anybody that wants to get into cybersecurity. If you if you don't know the right steps to get into cybersecurity, if you need inspiration, if you need to see that somebody that came from barely having anything growing up, like myself, uh, can just find opportunities to make a better way for themselves. That's that's what the podcast is about too, and it's about um, when you get in the industry, how do you get better? Um, how do you form opportunities? Uh, and I've had did some podcasts where we talk about being a brand and not just an employee because mm. 
I believe I believe in this day and age um, that you it should be business minded too. You should you should put your personality out there, your brand out there. How do you grow your career? How do you get better? Um, how do you connect on different levels? And and it's about that too. So I'm I'm very passionate about this podcast. Um, I've been enjoying it so far. So so yeah, man, I just keep writing notes. You just keep coming up with cool stuff. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to talk about the the podcast a little bit more. Tell me, what was your expectation going into the podcast? Like before you started, what would you, you know, everybody's got kind of this image in their head of what it's going to be like. And what was the reality of it once you really got in there? Um. So like like you said, I'm a big fan of podcasts myself. I watch a lot of podcasts. Just sometimes just get lost watching them and the concept. And I think about, yeah, what does what makes a podcast intriguing? What pulls certain people into certain podcasts? Um, and I think what I was expecting, um, I don't think I had um, high expectations, but just like you said, when you put something out there, I just wanted to touch the right people at the right time. Like a hundred people could say, uh, I don't like this podcast, but if one person emails me on LinkedIn and say, Hey man, that really changed my life. It really helped me figure out what I wanted to do. I'm taking some steps. I really appreciate you putting this out here. And if I, I've had people even email me saying, I really appreciate you, uh, what you're doing for the industry. And that's, that's emails and feedback that really gets me going. Cause that's, that's why I did it. I didn't expect to get the feedback. I mean, it, it could have just crashed and burned, but I mean that's that's not why you do things. You do it because of the passion, and you want to see what you can do and what impact you could make, or how you could help somebody. And it's good when you get that feedback. Uh, so I didn't have huge expectations, but it, um, the feedback has actually been pretty positive, uh, and it fuels me to uh, keep going with it. Um, I'll say I'm I'm not a shy person. I think I was probably shy when I was growing up, um, but I am an introvert. So an introvert. <laughs> doing a podcast is that seems like an oxymoron it's like how does that work but uh i'm trying to come out of my shell and and i I think what i'm doing is for a bigger cause so that's that's kind of what drives me every day and the more i get into it um even with the first podcast i i I didn't have guests the first couple podcasts i was kind of talking through some theories i was like okay it's time to get some guests on the show (laughs) time to open it up a little bit um but yes, it's it's been interesting. Like you and I know you know, um, doing this for a while that you run into different challenges with podcasts. And I think the thing is to remember if if you feel the podcast is worth being around and worth touching people, you got to figure out how to keep going. So I think that's what I just try to figure out what what content can I get people? How can I get better? How can I get more engaging? Uh, what can I do to make this a better platform? But I, I'm enjoying it. So, and I've noticed you don't really seem to do anything by half measures because while your podcast is still new, I already saw you've already got like great video assets, like great video intros. I mean, you're just <laughs> dude. It's like you are doing it. It's like if you were, if you're gonna do something, you do it all the way. Am I am I correct on that? Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I've always considered myself now. Now, not saying I. I can hit or miss as well, but I always consider myself a creative person. And I think that kind of helps me with a lot of avenues. So like you said, I, I don't like to put stuff that doesn't look well, doesn't present well. Um, so I think that is key. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. For sure. Well, dude, it is like, it is immediately evident. Uh, once you start looking at any of your, your materials that it's, uh, you try and make it as polished and as clean as possible. So it's, uh, it's great. You know what? It, you just radiate positivity, man. I just, dude, you are like uh, uh, a bright bit of sunshine over there. I love it. Like, uh, every, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything you are about, you are about uplifting and building. Uh, I dig it. I super dig it. So, let's see. Uh, so, something you touched on too was you were talking about how it is focused on African Americans in the podcast, and you said minorities in general in uh, the security industry. And I, I love the idea that you're you're making that kind of a beacon for people to find, right? So it's it's a way for, hey, you know what? There is 
there is this opportunity over here and just get in and maybe inspire some people. And I, I love that um, you're being super inclusive because, uh, you know, just from uh, catching a couple of your podcasts here and there, I could tell that it wasn't like uh, you were trying to exclude anybody. You're just trying to find those other those other folks. You're trying to find those other voices, right, and kind of bring them in and, and show them. And I love that. I love, um, man, you're just like a beam of hope. I love it. Uh, hey. So something else you touched on too is man you're you're just you're talking about all the good stuff. Something that's near and dear to my heart is that uh, you don't necessarily have to have a college degree to get into this stuff. And and the last three or four guys I've hired into the into the industry doing networking um, didn't have college degrees, and I leaned much more heavily on certifications. And you know what I I found myself hiring more for personality um, and kind of aptitude. So I'd look for those guys that were um, really nice or or personable if they could be, right? You can sort of grow people into that, but uh, a good fit for the team, right? Because you, I mean, the last thing you want to do is bring a bad apple in and then, because, you know, they're going to they're gonna throw off the feng shui of the whole room. But, um, you know, those guys that are problem solvers, that are curious, guys that really want to do this stuff, like on their personal time, I found they were kind of the best employees I had um, and uh, usually the most consistent as well so um, what's your what's your feelings on college versus certification versus what um and I and I have I never want to talk uh, anybody out of college oh no no um, for sure I mean I, I mean it, it definitely has um has helped a lot of people and it definitely still has a uh, place in the industry. But I, I, I think I just feel, um, and for me, I'm 43 years old. I got into, um, cybersecurity when I was like, what, 33, 35, something like that. Um, for me, it was about hacking the system. You can get a certification a lot faster than you can get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's most important is about what you actually know. Um, and I, f- and I feel, and I, and I think college degrees are figuring it out and they're getting, uh, better. Um, but a lot of the shortcomings with degrees was you get the theory, you don't do the labs, you don't do the real world part with certifications. Um, in most cases, um, you have, you would, you would lab a little bit, figure things out. You would kind of figure out how things work. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're not just memorizing questions and doing certifications. Um, my soapbox with certifications, I, I got a saying, don't be paper. Uh, just don't be about that certification and stacking up a bunch of certifications. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of certifications, but what I do with my certifications is I, I think about the vocabulary, the terminology, uh, the theory, but I, I think about what's what's in that certification in this real world. If it's talking about a router, can I get my hands on that router for cheap? And can I put that in the house and start doing labs and start trying to do some configurations and start figuring things out? Um, that's what's key. And um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big fan of certifications to um, it's, it's, uh, it's like the DIY of education. You, you figure out how to get the certification uh, it gets you into the door. It doesn't get you the job, but it gets you the interview. So I'm a big advocate of certifications and, uh, that side of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, um, certifications show that you have some self-motivation, right? So like when you're in college or you're in a class, they, I mean, they're not a hundred percent, you know, it's not like when you're in um, elementary school and they would hand feed you everything, but they're kind of helping you along, right? Whereas a certification, it's just you against the certification, you know? Yeah. And if you fail it, it's like the, you know, you probably worked uh, a day and a half to get enough money to actually take that certificate. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's, it's kind of pricey. So to yeah. me, it shows yeah. you've got the ability to self-learn and stuff like, cause I mean, you know, as you get more and more busy in the industry, uh, in your job, you have less and less time to help other folks, to mentor folks. And if you become a manager of a busy organization, you just, you don't have time to, uh, unfortunately to, to really hold people's hands 
all the way through every task, right? So you need those self-starters, those people um, that can go and figure it out, um, ask for help where they need to. I mean, I never want anybody to be afraid to ask for help, but um, at least put in the effort to try and, and get as far as they can, right? And so to me, certifications show that. If you're going to take on all that uh, responsibility and then also, man, just the testing process uh, can be uh, <laughs> pretty nightmarish. You know, I've had some oh, brilliant yeah. engineers, like some of the best guys I worked with, and they were horrible at taking tests. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, yep. sometimes uh, people deal with pressure in different ways. So, um Exactly. Yep. It's interesting. It's interesting. And, you know, I guess depending on the job, how much stress is associated with it, that can be a good indication of how somebody might uh, work under pressure. But you also, I think you said, you know, don't just be um, like a, a paper CCNA is what we used to call them. You know, guys that had their, yeah. had that stuff, but then they couldn't network their way out of a paper bag, right? You know, it's just all they had was yeah. the paper, you know, because they did uh, yep. a brain dump or something. So, it's, it's definitely two sides of uh, of the same coin, right? You know, you could kind of go either way. So that's interesting. Yep. But I, I love the idea of just because you don't have a college degree, don't think this isn't something for you, uh, because it, it definitely can be, and you can find your your you find your niche out there somewhere. And uh, I went to a technical college, which I called an extra two years of high school. So <laughs> you know, for me, it was yeah. more about certification stuff like that, and just. Oh, yeah. pushing myself that's interesting so you are an author you do a podcast um when i was searching for george mcpherson i found an actor <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's not you but i thought i'd go ahead and ask is there is there anything you don't do um and yeah and i and i like i said i I think I answered it in another question that I'm a really creative person. Yeah. Um. So that actor person is me. <laughs> is that really you? Uh. Yeah, that is me. All right. I thought um, maybe it could be. I was like, different hair. He doesn't have yeah. a beard, so I can't really tell. And I and I did that uh, years back. Was really big into it. Um. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of pulled that back. Uh. To concentrate on my technology career. To, um. To have more time for that, the, my trade-off was doing voiceovers. Um, so I, I, I do voiceovers at times, and my trade-off for that was I can do voiceovers from the house and send it to somebody and do a big job, and I never have to leave the house with acting. You have to travel, go to auditions. It just takes a lot of time um, from personal life and in in my technology career. Uh, so I, I still have a love for, it, but yeah, that that guy is me. That guy is you. See, <laughs> <laughs> see, I told you I was stalking. Yep, you. told you I was stalking. You. Uh, so that's interesting. So why isn't your IMDb up on your uh, LinkedIn, man? Um, I, I think I think you kind of want to keep. I wouldn't say keep it all separate, but I I have a LinkedIn for um my acting side, but I I don't even think I've logged in to there in like a couple years, so. Yeah, I try to keep that stuff somewhat separate. Gotcha. Separation of like church. You say, and like state. you say, I do a lot. You say you say I do a lot of things, so you got to keep that stuff kind of separated a little bit. I hear you, but like you said, um, you know, bringing your your personality into kind of all aspects. I like that. So that's interesting because I guess that does sort of feed into podcasting, right? You're, uh, you know, you're. I I sort of slip into a character whenever I'm doing this stuff. Uh, believe it or not. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's me. It's just kind of a more energetic version of me. I'm not usually so peppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So I guess that probably, exactly. you yeah, you're well. right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Like you say, you're not acting on a podcast. Of course that wouldn't be authentic to yourself. Yeah. But like you say, it's, it's like a turn up version of you. Like I watch podcasts where some guys that seem full of personality like some of the even bigger podcasts and then you look behind the scenes and it's like you see where the person barely talks they get a little kind of low energy and they're like yeah i do this to get myself psyched up for the podcast and it's like yeah so it's definitely a a, a character and like getting yourself energized for it. golly so you really do lots of stuff that's man you are you're our, uh you're uh like a an onion Lots of layers, right? <laughs> That's fascinating. All right, man. 
So we are hitting about an hour. This is about where people start falling asleep on me. So yeah. one thing I've been asking <laughs> folks is like, what are you? Uh, what have you been doing to uh, keep yourself sane during the quarantine? I see some weights and stuff back there, and you don't look like oh, yeah, exactly yeah. a small guy. So what? Uh, <laughs> what do you? What have you been doing to stay sane? Um, I'll, I'll say what I've been doing is um, been learning a lot. I mean, if if we go through the park, it seems like I'm learning all the time, but I've tried to step it up doing quarantine. Like, where do you want to go in your career? Um, what do you want to learn? Um, but to stay sane, uh, what I've been doing is it, it, it all depends on who you are as a person, but, um, I, I reach out to family more, make sure I talk to certain people like once a week, church, talk to my grandma once a week. Oh, that's good. Just, you know, just, just trying to stay like, Cause this this is kind of a, it. Let's let's be honest about what it is. It's kind of a weird situation, um, and and a sad situation for other people that it's affecting health wise and economically. Hmm. Um, but like you said, keeping yourself sane. Uh, me and my wife, we do the uh, we still attend our church uh, visually on Sundays, so spiritually, uh, staying in shape. Like you said, I try to. I hadn't been good at it, but I, I'm trying to work out like uh, once a day. Um, like you said, keep it. That's key to everybody. Keep yourself active. Um, run, work out, um, do things that you haven't did in a while that you enjoy. Pick up new things. I mean, this is a great opportunity. Uh, it's a hard opportunity, but this is a chance to kind of spread your wings with different things. You can try things you never tried before because I mean. You, you got opportunities virtually to do things that you didn't have before the quarantine. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, and I'm always about staying positive, stay healthy, um, try to take care of yourself at this time because things could affect you worse. Like, if you don't eat good and you're in quarantine and you're barely exercising, it's going to have a bad effect. So <laughs> if you don't like exercise, at least try to eat better. Um, so I'll say stuff like that. Think about your health. Think about your mental health. Listen to your favorite music. Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing stuff out there, but I think it's really important for people's mental health. And I think we can be better coming out of this. I don't want people to be worse. I don't want people uh, for mental illness to go up, for depression to go right. up. Well, this this is hard on everybody. So I, I'd like to see us come out, you know, triumphant going through this. So. Yeah, I think, you know, in, at least in my experience, I've had some, uh, traumatic stuff happened to me and it kind of woke me up, right? It gave me a little bit of perspective on what was important in my life and what things mattered and what things didn't. And I kind of like had a big shift in my life back in the day. Um, uh, it was like uh second child was born, wife was two weeks out and she had a major blood clot. We almost lost her. And so I kind of, oh, I kind of quit caring about a lot of the stuff that I used to like, it used to seem so important and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So and I found over time, it's once you get a little perspective, you know, things sort of change because you're, you're looking from a different viewpoint. You know, you're, you have the ability to kind of see things with fresh eyes. And I'm really hopeful that this will give people that didn't before have some perspective, you know, maybe younger. I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people get there at some point in their life, something will happen and it wakes them up. And I, and I hope for a lot of folks, this can be that thing. You know I mean? That would be, that would be really cool if a whole lot of people, um, start holding what's important, right? Cause like anything that you can acquire can be gone in an instant. Right. And so it's really just yep. the, the relationships you have, the people you care about, those are the things that are important. And like you said, you're, you're reaching out to your loved ones. And, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope this really can be kind of a positive experience as far as that goes. Like, but I mean, talk about mental health. Uh, I don't think IT guys are usually that good about that sort of stuff. You know, like exercise. Yeah. I think exercise is great for mental health, man. I think that can really oh, yeah. be oh, helpful. Yeah. Uh, and again, IT guys are really not generally great at that. That I've noticed. Um, you know, what's so funny though is when you're talking about mental health. You know, as IT professionals, we're always studying. We're always doing certifications, you know, and so we're always improving our technical skills. But for some reason, we think um, that we can't study and improve our mental health as well, right? It's like, no, 
Exactly. No, no, no. I just do that all yep. day long at work. That couldn't possibly <laughs> yeah. work on me as a human. So I think yeah. I think that you can put a lot of work into yourself and, and have positive outcomes. Hopefully um, some people wake up to that and maybe uh, do a little bit oh, of yeah. And I think you're doing your part, man. You're putting out the, the positive vibes. You're putting out your uh, your books, your materials. You're inspiring people. You've inspired me. I've been trying to stay busy. Apparently, I need to pick up another couple of a couple of things, man. So, uh, I guess uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, for all the the folks here, I'm going to put links to all of uh, all the things we've talked about. Definitely go check out Black Cyber, the podcast, especially once. Uh, well, I mean, there's already episodes that you can uh, plow through, but uh, new season to look forward to, and so. Um, I guess thank you for your time. Thank you guys listening. Questions, comments, shoot them our way. And uh, if you want people to get a hold of you out on the internet, what's kind of the, if you had to give them one place to find you, where would you prefer them go? Um, Probably just uh, LinkedIn uh, type George McPherson. Uh, you may see a couple George McPherson's, but I'll be the one um, with, you know, the top security side. You'll see uh, like the CEH, my certification. Um, or you could uh, Google my name, George McPherson, and cybersecurity. If you add that cybersecurity in there, all my cybersecurity links, Twitter, LinkedIn will come up. So that's a good place. All right, good deal. Well, again, George, many thanks, and thank you guys for listening. Bye. All right, thank you, Greg, for having me on the show.